You know, I'm gonna give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. <laughs> Stop laughing! <laughs> and when I do, Start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty-ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Why are you laughing? Evening, everybody. Welcome back once again to Why Are You Laughing? A History of Comedy podcast at the Vaulted Podcast Studios in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Today, I'm pleased to introduce you to... The great Phil Hartman, very underrated uh, Phil Hartman, and uh, the gang's all here to talk about him, and uh, welcome back, boys. How are we? Good. How are you? Um, you know, the last episode that you guys listened to, I'm guessing, is uh, Sam Kinison, and uh, it kind of you know grinded to a halt, had sort of a sad ending, but today, luckily, yeah. we talk about a much happier uh, tale <laughs> that ends in... <laughs> just, a tale. Just a real... <laughs> Just a real, another light topic here on Why Are You Laughing? Uh, but Phil Hartman truly, I believe, is one of the most underrated guys ever in comedy. Mm. Um, and I didn't, I don't know that I ever really realized, like he was one of my favorite guys when I was a kid. I loved watching him, but I don't know that I ever realized this until going back and doing some research on him. Phil Hart, guys like Phil Hartman were an inspiration to a generation of weird voiced uh, outca- social outcasts like myself. Like people who just talked in an odd cadence could look up to Phil Hartman and be like, well, maybe I could be like that guy someday. And I'm not, but, but it's, I'm still dreaming. Um, Make the money, marry the love of my life. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, well, hopefully it ends the same for me as well. Um, we all hope so too. <laughs> um, so uh, Phil Hartman, um, actually, as a child, said he kind of uh, was filling a hole. Uh, basically, he didn't get. He felt like he didn't get enough what? love. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I just it's another one we're not going to be able to get through. Huh? <laughs> um, well, Phil Hartman, as a, as a boy, said like in his home. Uh, I don't know if he was like totally neglected by his parents. I didn't really find a lot on it, but I did find uh, that quote that made me think of uh, kind of his love life, which will be a theme throughout the day's podcast. It's not just one the one you're thinking of. There's multiple uh, layers to this story. But I want to start uh, as far as, you know, his, his role in comedy. And uh, one very strange thing that I found, because like looking at and listening <clears throat> to the guy, I wouldn't have thought this. Um, but uh, Phil Hartman dropped out of college to become a roadie for different bands for a yep. couple of years. And then uh, also made uh, some album covers. I don't know these bands. Uh, Coco is one of them. Uh, and American or the Americans or something like mm. that. I don't know if those ring a bell to anyone. No. Uh, but those are two of the more prominent ones. But he toured with this band as a roadie, which he does not seem like that kind of guy. Not at all. <laughs> right? He seems like a nerd. He, he seems like a very straight-laced, yeah. you know, uptight kind of guy. Mm. Uh, but apparently not. He was a young rebel. Uh, who was touring with uh, bands around the country, and then uh, liked, like I said, he designed those uh, album covers and liked graphic design so much that uh, he went back to school for graphic design, and then started a career as a graphic design artist. Which actually, like, if you look at Phil Hartman and just listen to him talk. That seems more right. <laughs> like, he does seem like the perfect, like the funny guy at the office yeah. in yeah. graphic design. <laughs> like that does suit him. Yeah. And uh, apparently he made decent money in graphic design. But like uh, they would say that like all day he would make these like different cartoon characters. 
And like he, he said that like kind of in his mind he would just voice them like give them different voices and things Look. and he kind of started to realize that like he needed a creative outlet like the you know the world of graphic design mm. wasn't doing it for him <laughs> um, so uh, he started going to Groundling shows and this is when you familiar with the Groundlings at all yes yeah uh, it's basically a UCB but uh it's, in, it's like the, the SNL Ch- Chicago farm system more or less. uh California I think oh. In, uh, Groundlings in Chicago. Which, yeah, which one did start in Chicago. Chicago? I thought that was Groundlings. I, thought, I think you're right, but this was yeah. in California. So I don't know if there was a California branch of some I kind. <laughs> yeah, you're, once, you, once you said that, I was like, yeah, I thought they were in Chicago yeah. too. But uh, he was based in California, I believe. Eh, we'll have to look more into that. It sounds right, though. Right? California. But um, uh, who knows? If you can, Matt, find that if while we're, while we're talking, uh, just because I don't want to get that wrong. Um, but he started just like going to groundling shows and kind of getting a feel for it. Mm-hmm. And I guess at least legend has it LA. that, uh, it is LA, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah I thought so. Second, what's your, what's second city. Second city. Oh, second yes. city. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the one enough. that I uh, like Tina Fey and people yeah, started. Right. Uh, the groundlings is Kristen Wiig, Will Ferrell. Yes. Uh, other people. But, um, uh, yes. So that was in LA. Thank God. I'm not losing right. my mind. <laughs> um, but, uh, Phil Hartman would go to shows and, uh, one night mm-hmm. in 1975, he just felt like he could do it and just <laughs> hopped on stage, I guess. At least uh, legend has it. Um, so he started doing, uh, he joined the Groundlings. And they had kind of like tiers. Like I think he, he started like in the second tier, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, pretty rapidly, they could tell he was a talented guy and was kind of like one of the forefathers of the Groundlings. Like I said, he didn't, he wasn't one of the founders, but he was one of the very early guys. Um, and then he was, uh, shortly after joined by, uh, two people he was very, cl- ended up being very close with, uh, John Lovitz mm-hmm. and Paul Rubens, who, uh, we know as Pee Wee Herman, yeah. which we'll get to, but am I jumping ahead at all, Matt, or am I on the right track? Here? Uh, he is among the bands he did logos for. He yep. also did one for, uh, oh, Crosby, right. Stills, and Nash. Oh, that's, yeah. That's so cool. he, he did the logo, not the, uh, album cover, but he did the logo for Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, he was never given credit for that. And then in interviews later, like he, he said he was not bothered by it. Like he actually found it kind of funny. Uh-huh. Like it was, he thought it was cool that he could say that he did their <laughs> logo and never got credit for it. Uh, I always wonder if it was when uh, Neil Young got to the band and he said, this guy's going to work with a Joe Rogan. Now, let me tell you, <laughs> Joe Rogan, <laughs> you don't know yet, but I swear. Um, so, yeah, that is that is funny that he, uh, he evidently does yeah. Next time you look at uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash's logo, which I know a lot of you kids do often. Uh, think of Phil Hartman. <laughs> um, so where are we Where are we going next, Matt? Uh, his first TV appearance? Yes. Oh, yeah. So this is where, again- In 78. Um, oh, well, I'll, I'll briefly mention that before that, uh, while he was in graphic design, he was married briefly. So just mm. keep that in mind. And then uh, divorced, which we'll talk a little more about later. Uh, but then, yeah, his technically his first TV appearance. This was not his first acting role or anything like that. Uh, but he did make it on to the dating game in 1978. And I guess he won. Like, he was one of the contestants. And uh, he won. The girl picked him. Mm-hmm. And then he got stood up on the date. Like, he actually wanted to go on the date, and the girl never showed up. <laughs> so, uh, again, heartbreak for Phil Hartman, who is, the, like, 
I don't know. Is he? He's not a bad-looking guy, right? He seems like kind of a handsome. He's got like little boy hair. Handsome but, fella, <laughs> but maybe just a weirdo. I don't know. Never had. Uh, <laughs> never didn't seem to have a lot of luck with the ladies. He was troubled I was by it. Say, he's not, he doesn't pick them very well. No, he had extreme bad luck with the yes, ladies. Yes, he certainly did. <laughs> little boy hair uh, is an option on a priest dating it. Is that I right? Must have no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. There's a there's a priest dating app, Mike. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> um, all right. So what's next? Uh, his first marriage. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it a little. <laughs> Tell me a little about it. So it, uh, it only lasted two years, and his second lasted three, ending in 1985. Yeah. So Phil was the kind of guy, and I can relate to this a little bit, that uh, like fell in love, and uh, from my personal experience i would the personality type seems like you know when you don't have a lot of success relationship wise the second you have a modicum of success like and a girl shows you any attention you're like well this is the love of my life now <laughs> so i think phil had a little bit of that yeah um as will as we'll continue to find out but yeah another guy how many comedians are we going to talk about uh, failed marriages multiple fair i don't i never understand guys that get divorced that quickly and are like, let me hop back into it. I feel yeah. like I could do it again, you know? The <laughs> universe sending him every sign possible. <laughs> yeah. His dating his uh, the dating yeah. show girl stood him up. Been his <laughs> first two marriages didn't last. A great deal failures. of foreshadowing in uh, Phil Hartman's life. If only he met Louis Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> and would have changed his world. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, and then Lauren Michaels came to a Groundling show. Yeah, mm. so uh, Lauren Michaels traveled all the way out to Chicago Chicago for the for the groundlings. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you dick. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he showed up, and everyone at the groundlings assumed he was there for Phil Hartman, and it turned out he actually had no interest in Phil Hartman, <laughs> and had. Well, I'll just say, Lauren Michaels had a lot of success in this business, but he wasn't always like spot on because he was there mm. to see John Lovitz <laughs> instead of Phil Hartman. Oh. So, uh, and uh, that's how John Lovitz got on the show. Little Nicky's John Lovitz? Yes, that's right. And uh, <laughs> Phil Hartman was uh, devastated by that, and he was not having a lot of success in the business. Um, and he was contemplating getting back into graphic design. But like I said, he worked with Lovitz and uh, Paul Rubens at the Groundlings, and uh, him and Paul Rubens worked on this Pee Wee Herman character. And uh, they kind of came up with the character together, and uh, Phil Hartman ended up creating the uh, Captain... I forget the guy's name. Captain Clark or something like that. Oh, yeah, I think um, that's it. Yeah, the character on on Pee Wee Herman's show, and he had a lot to do. Like they they started writing for these for these characters together, um, and then you know through uh, a lot of uh, uh, lack of success, Phil contemplated getting back into graphic design when uh, HBO called and gave was the first thing they got the TV show I believe um, the HBO TV show. Uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, that started to take off a little bit, and yeah. that saved Phil from quitting the business. Um, and they worked on that for uh, a good amount of time together, and Pee Wee got very successful and uh, ended up hosting SNL. Right. But so there's something interesting. I learned this through uh, the the Phil Hartman. Uh, research I was doing because I knew that in the 80s SNL hit a snag where they were not very successful and they were always on the verge of cancellation yeah but I didn't know exactly how it played out and I found this very interesting that uh so 
in order to like boost ratings, I guess, to bring in like a younger audience or something, mm-hmm. they uh, asked Pee Wee Herman to host SNL. In the, I want to say, 10th season or 11th season, uh, whatever year that was. Um, and so Pee Wee agrees to do it, but he says, I want my writers. And this was at a time where like SNL had never done that before and mm-hmm. hasn't really done it since. In fact, that's something Stern talks about a lot. Like he's he was always like, uh, I'll host SNL, but it would have to be with Fred and Jackie writing for me. Like I wouldn't yeah. want SNL's writers. And they never obliged. Um, however, I guess SNL was so down on their luck at this time that they just said, whatever you want. <laughs> well, you can, ha- <laughs> you can have your writers. And so, uh, you know, Pee Wee brings the staff over. And the one they noticed most of all was Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. And that's when Lauren Michaels started to take a shine to him and realize maybe there's more to this. Maybe I missed something with this guy. Um, and I guess Phil did a great job that week kind of uh, standing out in the in the writing process. Cool. Um, so some time goes by with uh, with old Pee-wee, Pee-wee rather, and uh, he gets a big movie, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Which Hartman wrote. Which Hartman wrote with, yeah. uh, with Paul Rubens. And uh, that was, you know, very successful. That kind of launched, uh, you know, Pee Wee into, I guess, what we know today, if you can say that. <laughs> his, his, his star is uh, flamed out a little bit, but he, he was very big back in the day. <laughs> um, and so now we get to a weird time in their relationship um, because there, there are a few things that play. Uh, is the next thing the clip with Stern? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so let's play that first, and then I'll get into a little more about the relationship between uh, Phil Hartman and Paul Rubens. In I mean, truth, I've spoken with him a few times since the incident, and, and what pause one second. I did the cost. The incident they're referring to is uh, Paul Rubens was jerking off in an adult movie theater. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you and can you believe it? Stern asked him about it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Show, and, and Costas asked me about Paul Rubens, and, right. and I... It wasn't in our pre-interview, and I spoke about him, and Paul called me, and we had been estranged for really since I started Saturday Night Live. Estranged? Yeah, just not talking. Really. Well, uh, for any particular reason? Um, You're at odds with him, aren't you? Yeah. Why? Um, because you felt you helped develop the Pee Wee Playhouse, and you never received credit or money for it. Is that correct? Well, that's part of it, yeah. It is. Yeah. You were one of the creators of that. Yes. And Pee Wee took that show, took it to CBS, made a lot of money off it, mm-hmm. and you felt that, hey, wait a second, where am I in this? Well, all of us who created the original stage show that that was an HBO special, it played at the Roxy Theater in the summer right. of 81, we had a contract that said that we get 3% of whatever happens with this show. Right. And then I went on and I co-wrote Pee-wee's Big Adventure with Paul, and right. I worked with him on that. Uh, and uh, A huge movie. Yeah. And, and, and then he decided to do the TV show, and all of us were out. out. And you certainly were a creator of all of this. Yes, I created the Captain Carl character. I wrote a lot of the scenes. And you called him probably and said, hey, Pee-wee, what's the deal? Uh, Paul, what's the deal? Yeah, so uh, Phil went on to say, and this is something that is so... uh, tell. It's A a lot of comedians have this trait. We talked a lot about it Mm -hmm. with the Stooges, probably most notably. Um, But Phil says, like, you know, Howard asks, like, why... Didn't you guys call him out on this? He's like, really, no one called him. I didn't talk to him. None of the writers talked to him. We, like, they were, you know, kind of f- afraid of confrontation, which you find yeah. a lot in comedy. And the reason people, you know, people's careers don't advance a lot is because they're afraid to speak up for themselves. And there's so there's a lot of that uh, in comedy. It seemed pretty cut and dry. Three percent of everything that became of the sh- the special that was on HBO. So it wouldn't even have yeah. been like right. 
it, does, I mean? it seems fairly easy. But even Phil in this interview says that like other people tried to get their money. Um, so it's not that like no one tried. Mm. Um, so legally, I don't know how binding that contract was. You know, yeah. Like they could, they could have had a handshake agreement of some kind. I have no idea. I sure. do, I do love Howard's interview style, and he's like, he asks him a question, he's like, no, no. He answers he, it for him. He just <laughs> yeah. dumps his own thoughts of what he thinks it is <laughs> on very, him. Very leading questions, yeah. which is how Howard has always done it. Right. Which is, to be fair, like a good way to get yeah. people to kind of just confess. Some well, because then they'll be like, no, that's too much. Here's what it actually exactly. is. Exactly. Actually, he'd, end up saying he'd, yeah. he'd be objected to a lot of times in a. In a courtroom <laughs> with yeah. those questions. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the leading the witness. <laughs> um, so there's a little more to that than fill it on. And there's mm. – I also question whether or not he actually did talk to him. Um, he kind of alluded that uh, he and Paul Rubens had patched things up a little bit. But I'd also seen where, like, they stopped talking to each other completely. Like, they were estranged until Hartman's death. Uh, I'm not really sure which is true. Maybe they spoke at some point, but they were never really very close. So some of the resentment also stems from, uh, you know, like we talked about, Phil Hartman was integral in creating the Pee Wee Herman character. He said Captain Carl was the character's name. Mm -hmm. I had it wrong. Yeah. Uh, but he created that character, which was a big part of, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse and all that. Um, excuse me. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't think – so So the advice that uh, Phil gave Pee Wee Herman – was, listen, you're going to get typecast and pigeonholed into this, either this specific character or this type of character if you keep doing that. And Pee Wee said, hey, why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Why not keep, you know, continue on yeah. just doing the character forever? And they got into a kind of a disagreement about that. So I think it was a multitude of things. And frankly, it's really hard to say if Pee Wee Herman got pigeonholed as that character, <laughs> considering I refer to him as Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> so did Howard Stern just did too. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, Pee Wee, I mean, Paul. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so home run Phil on that one. <laughs> I think Phil would have had a good career in management as well, apparently. Yeah. Well, he so, looked the part. <laughs> he certainly did. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, that's, you know, to, to kind of take a break quickly, just to talk about Phil's career in general, is a couple things I noticed is that uh, clearly, I think, influences of his would be guys, and that's why, uh, you know, spoiler, what ultimately happened to Phil is even more of a tragedy, mm -hmm. because I look at a guy like Phil Hartman, and I compare him to, I think of like Fred Willard, Eugene Levy, Martin Mull, yeah. that sort of very dry humor uh, where they all, you know, it almost feels like they're you know saying something very serious, but they're completely yeah. making people laugh, <laughs> just being silly. Yeah, and just that <laughs> kind of that of old funny. old white man sort of shit. Yeah, like I think Phil would have been great at that. He was almost made to be an old man. Seventies newscaster yeah. voice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I was actually thinking that I was like, can you imagine like growing up like being like. His or like Casey Kasem's dad, yeah, like yeah. sitting there, like making breakfast, like, "Hey, Dad, Hello. can I have some eggs? How are you?" Like, it's yeah. like, "Oh my God, this yeah. fucking kid!" So he was, and I mean, you know, the the best sign of that is he didn't get SNL until he was in his forties, I right. think. Um, so legitimately, I think he was kind of made to be an older guy, and and um, news radio, he was the newscaster, right? Show too, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> you know, and so like we. Talk about thing, you know revisionist history things I wish they'd done or wish they'd been able to to do in this case and I take I've, the bullets. I've out always of the gun. thought this. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> we're telling a story here. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert! I was a big fan of uh, the show Community. 
And yeah, me too. that show is pretty much run into the ground by Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yes. Because because of Chevy Chase, they got rid of Dan Harmon in season four, yeah. which is the worst season. And then the next season, Donald Glover left. They brought Dan Harmon back, but it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. So that show, I think Community was a very good show that kind of got ruined by Chevy Chase. Yeah. And I think Phil Hartman in that role would have been perfect. Oh yeah, like that's that's the type of role that Phil Hartman would, be. or even yeah. maybe just Chevy Chase is kind of an influence that I'm thinking of because you put Phil Hartman in movies like the Vacation movies, you could see him in something like that. Like I think there was a lot more that Phil Hartman could have done, uh, and that he a wasn't able to do, but also like you know while he was Poss- alive, his business the the business never saw him as that for whatever possibly. reason. Yeah, I I always think of Phil Hartman as more silly than like. Um- because Chevy Chase is like that real like deadpan like right. seriousness, but like makes you say it makes you laugh. But like yeah. I always thought of Phil Hartman as more like a silly person. I I but I could like a goofy see him, dad exactly. You know? But I could see him playing that straight in a way that Chevy Chase didn't, where Phil yeah. Hartman is saying you know racist shit, but legitimately I, doesn't know that see, he's that's, saying it. That's the stuff like that, f- like Fred Willard. But see, that's the stuff that I was like, I couldn't see Phil Hartman doing. Oh, really? It's like the racist jokes that Chevy Chase says. Because like he's like, Chevy Chase is like, a, he's almost abrasive. Yeah. In his way. But like Phil Hartman's got that voice. And you're like, hey. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I. He's I, a funny Staples manager. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's, I don't know. See, I think that I take it as yeah. there's a charm to him that he could have pulled that off almost easier than Chevy Chase. I think you you might be right. But yeah. I, I just don't, I, I, I'm not picturing it like you are, right. I guess. Uh, but yeah, oh. that's just a, a, a tangent. Yeah. We'll, we'll never know. Um, but right. that, that, yeah, I do think a lot of those guys when I watch Phil Hartman is like the Eugene Levy's and Fred Willard's. Absolutely, the world. Martin uh, Mull. I always picture yeah. him in Jingle All the Way as Ted. Yeah, Ted, the, the neighbor Ted. And he's yeah. gr- like, I, again, he's like I, I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. <laughs> but he's so great in that. Like yeah, my memory, yeah. at least, is of him being so great in that as like the scumbag. Like yeah. this guy, this guy is moving into my wife. <laughs> and <laughs> how does she not see it? <laughs> like you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just, these like, cookies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that when he picks up the phone at Arnold's house. And yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as he hangs it up, he's like, pipe down in there, like <laughs> yelling at the kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Phil and uh, uh, Paul Rubens have their their big feud, um, which kind of led to Phil saying, all right, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to try and get on SNL. And now that Lauren Michaels has uh, seen the real Phil Hartman, he gets on SNL in 86, uh, I think. Mm. And so here's the interesting thing I learned about Saturday Night Live is that uh, the season prior, again, I forget if it's 10 or 11, but whichever one it was, um, was an absolute disaster. One of the, at, that, at least at that time, the worst season in SNL is, history. Is that when they had like Robert Downey Jr. and like I Anthony believe so. Michael Hall? Yes. And, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe so. Ugh. Um, so it was a disaster. I think Gilbert might have been in that cast too. Or maybe that was earlier. Like that might have been earlier. Penn and Teller were on the cast at that point and stuff. I think they, I thought they hosted. No, they were they were cast members, but really? like ancillary cast members for a little while. Oh, really? Yeah, they didn't just host; they were like part of. They were like ancillary cast. Yeah. Well, like, so they said they said yeah. Lorne went back to this is the season he went back to like finding talent rather Comedians. than trying to get people who are famous. Right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey. I, I I basically I'd say Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey. Fuck yeah. And then you know John Lovitz and a couple other people, but I'd say Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey. Are pretty much solely solely responsible for saving SNL yeah. because uh, this season they had, SNL had been canceled. They basically canceled, it. and then Lauren Michaels went to uh, NBC 
and just begged and pleaded and said, give me one more I'll, I'll, I'm, I will prove it to you. Give me one more season, and then you can judge it judge us based on that. And that's when they brought in uh, Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey, and it was so good that, you know, obviously yeah. they're still doing it today, 30 years later, 35 years later, whatever it is. And that's one of the, like, iconic casts, too. That's when, like, Mike Myers came on. Yeah. Was Julia Louis-Dreyfus... I think she was before. I think she was before. I think she might have been part of that bad. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which I is think insane she would, if you read yeah. that cast yeah. off. She would have like, fit Jesus. in really great in like later on with those guys too. Martin like, Short. Martin yeah. Short too, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, Martin Short. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we're conflating scenes. Yeah, maybe. Here. Maybe. Um, but regardless, uh, Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey. And you had guys. I think the big thing that saved and kind of changed SNL mm -hmm. was that at the time you had guys – uh, playing such relevant characters like Dana Carvey doing Carson in his fine the final years of the Tonight yeah. Show, and Hartman playing Reagan, and then Clinton, yeah. and, and Carvey, Carvey playing George Bush. George Bush. Yeah. Like having those guys do that, like mock the biggest people in the world. Yeah. That's a that's a big thing. And obviously, I mean, look at what SNL's become. That's all they do now. Yeah. Well, try to. I guess. I don't know. I don't even know what it is anymore. But mock. <laughs> they don't mock shit. But yeah. Uh, so. Uh, around this time, Phil Hartman gets on SNL. He saves it. He's a hero. Um, and around that time, 86, is when he meets a woman named Bryn Amdahl. Dun, dun, dun. I think it's her last name. <laughs> um, and they very quickly got married. Uh, I think they were married within a year of meeting each other. So again, oh, Phil, oh you're rushing into love. <laughs> what are you doing, Phil? Come on. Um, but they, uh, they fell in love. They fell head over he heels for each other. And then a few years later, had their first son, and by 1992, they had two kids. Uh, so Phil is in the middle of uh, marital bliss. He's entering, you know, the peak of his career. He's on SNL. Everything's going very well. Um, and then where are we, Matt? I don't want to miss anything here before we get into the <laughs> the nitty gritty. Um, well, he turned. So he got on SNL. He also at the same time turned down Jay Leno's. The oh, that's right. Opportunity. So I never knew this. Um, I guess Leno offered him. So Phil Hartman had been successful for a few years now on uh, Saturday Night Live. And then Phil was going to leave SNL. And they offered him um, first his own sketch show. It was going to be called The Phil Show. Mm. And then I think it was, you know what, that might have been after he left SNL. Mm -hmm. I think when he officially did leave SNL, he was offered The Phil Show. It was supposed to be just a sketch comedy show. And then NBC decided uh, it's not worth it. Like sketch comedy. I don't know if it was going to be prime time, but whatever it was, uh, it wasn't worth it to produce sketch comedy. It was kind of phasing out other than SNL, or so they thought. Yeah. Um, so th that got scrapped. But also, uh, Leno, when he took over The Tonight Show in 93, and that's kind of like peak Hartman on SNL, um, Leno went to Phil, offered him the sidekick. So Kevin Eubanks, you can thank Phil Hartman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm... Very glad he didn't take that. Would have been a complete miscasting, I think. Yes, because it would have been the only time in history where you have a sidekick who's funnier than the host Correct. of the show. <laughs> you know, Correct. and I, I don't even hate Jay Leno or anything, but yeah. it's just like I think Phil Hartman is so talented, and I think Jay Leno is more of a. I'm not even saying he's an unfunny guy, but he's a no. pleaser. He would have been funnier know? than Leno just by making faces that he does. Right. Yeah. Whereas, speak, really. whereas I mean, Andy Richter and Ed McMahon—they're not—they're not Carson. They're not Conan, you know. Where well, Ed I McMahon think, wasn't even a comedian. I don't, yeah, he was like a game show yeah, host or like something. 
Um, Star search. And oddly enough, Phil Hartman played a great Ed McMahon. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and watched uh, the sketch. They, so the Saturday that Carson ended yeah. The Tonight Show, uh, obviously the, the cold open was Dana Carvey's Carson uh, in the tux that yeah. Johnny wore on the last show. And Ed McMahon and Phil Hartman were just playing Ed McMahon shit-faced. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's like, are you, are you drunk, John? And Phil Hartman goes, you are correct, sir. <laughs> um so yes, thank God. I think that was a very wise, another wise decision by Phil Hartman. This guy was good in Hollywood. Professionally, um, great decisions. Great Personal, decisions. Personally, terrible. He ones. was a pro. <laughs> um, so yeah, he turns down Leno. He's not going to be the sidekick. Um, and then uh, he got News Radio in ninety four, ninety five. Whenever yeah. he left, uh, whenever he left SNL, and he said basically he loved the writing of uh, of News Radio. And he liked that it was an ensemble cast. Yeah. Kind of like we talked about Louis Anderson, and I said, I don't know that I could see Louis Anderson carrying a sitcom. Right. I don't know whether or not Phil Hartman could, but he at least said to himself, I don't want to be, I'd rather be in an ensemble cast. Yeah. I don't know that I want to be the star, um, which I think is the right move. Now, news radio never finished, I don't think it ever finished in the top 30 in the ratings. Like they had no. abysmal ratings. It was great, though. Despite. They had uh, Dave. I I always kind of considered Dave Foley the star. Would you say I that's, did too. Yes, yeah. I agree with you. Because um, he was the one who had like the love interest. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But it had uh, Dave Foley, Phil Hartman, Stephen Root. Who, if you don't know that name, great actor, and you've seen him in a ton uh, of shit. You know uh, who he is. Office Space, uh, Dodgeball. Yep. Uh, he was in that show Barry. I mean, you, if you see him, you'll know who he is. He's been in a ton of things. Milton Stapler guy from Office yeah. Space. Milton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Milton Wadams. Yep. <laughs> He's Bill from. Uh, um, King of the Hill, isn't he? Uh, I don't think so. The neighbor? Is he? The stapler guy? Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, maybe. I didn't know. It's true. I think you're Craig's, correct. folks, we film, we record these on uh, the same day, and I think Craig's goal today was, let's bring every episode to a grinding <laughs> halt. <laughs> We're talking about that guy. <laughs> I don't know. Is he? I have no idea. Yeah. No, but you, dude, you're right. News Radio was a phenomenal cast. Yeah. And Insane. that's, oddly enough, I mean, I brought up Community. Maybe Phil wanted to be in another failed show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was basically, News Radio was basically the community of the 90s. Yeah. Where like it was always on the verge of getting canceled, but uh, but oh, it was so it was a cult favorite. Yeah, Andy yeah. Dick was in that show. Oh, a yeah, young, a young Joe Rogan. <laughs> More foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, a, a crazy talented, funny cast. Um, and uh, but you know, I, I Phil Hartman also seems like the kind of guy. I don't know this, but maybe he appreciated being on. More of a cult following type show yeah. than like the uh, you know the Seinfeld at that time or whatever. Um, but regardless, uh, we we remember it today as a uh, as a hit show. Yeah. But uh, what do we have next, Matt? Uh, well, going back to his uh, his marriage, oh, they, they, oh, had, they had kids. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Well, no, 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 no. We're not we're not going. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We're not going there yet. Good, good, good. Um, <laughs> so they got married, and then uh, within a year, uh, they had. Well, no, within by 1992, they had two kids. Yes. And on the birth of the first kid. <laughs> Uh, oh, yes. An ex-wife of Phil Hartman's, which there were many, yes. sent him a letter congratulating or mm -hmm. congratulated him. And Bryn. Yeah, so. <laughs> planted some seeds. Oh, oh, boy. So this might have been the first sign. Planted that, some red flags. <laughs> this might have been the first sign that all was not well. Uh, oh. So Phil's ex-wife, evidently a nice enough lady, sent him a letter, said, hey, congrats on the kid. And that whore really had it coming. So, <laughs> so, so Bryn sent her a letter in response. She intercepted this letter, 
And, uh, you know, naturally, as we all kind of do, when you get a letter like that congratulating you on your first child, you respond with a multi-page letter littered with death threats. <laughs> <laughs> you said, like, I'd gouge your eyes out I mean, or something. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first sign Much that more. maybe uh, the new Mrs. Hartman wasn't uh, completely stable. And uh, <laughs> evidently... Um, found years later. These these apparently were never sent. Uh, the cast members did not get these. But she wrote multiple letters in the same vein to cast members of SNL, particularly, I want to say her name is Jan Hooks, um, who played Hillary Clinton at the time. So Bill Clinton, I mean, Phil Hartman masterfully played Bill Clinton, uh, his best known role on SNL. <laughs> <The> cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he went so to McDonald's great. and he was very <laughs> so funny. And anytime Hillary Clinton was in a sketch, uh, Jan Hooks played Hillary Clinton. So Bryn, as all you know, sane individuals do, said, "Oh, they're playing husband and wife on television. That whore has to die." <laughs> <laughs> but to her credit, she drafted the letter and never sent it. So I guess oh. she had some sort of peace of I'm mind. Pretty sure that's a therapy, uh, yeah, tactic. You know, write yeah. what you feel, but then throw it in. That's the trash. true. <laughs> that's true. So these were rational times for Bryn. <laughs> um, so before we get more into Bryn. Uh, also, the th uh, a thing that Phil Hartman is very well known for is The Simpsons at that time. Oh, yeah. Which uh, he was supposed to be a one-off character, which is funny because his voice is so perfect. It's so great. I thought, so he was in 50 episodes. Yeah. Which, but the hilarious part of that is like, I think now that's like less than 1% of Simpsons episodes. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that just tells you how long that fucking thing has been on the air. <laughs> but um uh, he sounds like a voice that was made for The Simpsons. Or The Simpsons. Um, but he was in 50 episodes. Uh, his favorite role was Troy McClure. Troy McClure. B-list actor, yeah. Troy McClure. Um, and, fun fact, uh, evidently, a few years later, they were talking about adapting that character to like a live-action movie. Oh, my like basically, Phil Hartman would have played Troy McClure in a movie. It would have. My understanding is it would have had nothing to do with this. It would have been outside the Simpsons world. Yeah. I think. But the, you would have seen Phil Hartman as this guy, Troy McClure. Oh, like what they're doing with the new Buzz Lightyear movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was thinking about Oof. it in like ninety-seven, ninety-eight, and I don't know what stopped that project, but we'll, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to it. Um. So yeah, he. And he loved he loved characters like that. Like he had a character who was like a, a beaten down detective named uh, I think it was Chip Hazard. Or Chip or Hazard was it Chip Hazard? It was or Chip Hazard? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. And uh, that, I, I watched his audition for SNL, which you can find on YouTube if you want to go find yeah. it. Um, but uh, uh, his that's what he started the audition with. Um, was the Chip Hazard character. <laughs> and he seemed like a guy who loved like these just silly characters that he would create. Um, like I think every everything I read said like his most famous character is Bill Clinton. I think Sinatra was probably his best, oh. his best character, <laughs> because he played Sinatra in a way, and this is what SNL is completely missing now. He may he played Sinatra in a way that like kind of lovingly mocked Sinatra. Yeah, you know what I mean. It wasn't it wasn't mean. It wasn't ruthless, but it did make fun of him. Hysterical, you know what I mean, and that I think that's what SNL is missing now, where they only mock people they hate now. It yeah, seems, yeah. But like you know, there. I don't know if Phil Hartman was a huge Sinatra fan, but I'm oh. sure there was some level of respect. But it was so great. He like played him like extra angry. Yeah. Like <laughs> so Norm Norm said it best about. He was talking about Alec Baldwin on SNL, and Norm said you cannot impersonate people you hate. 
Mm. Because then you're just angrily doing the. He goes. In fact, you kind of have to love the people you're in person because you yeah. see what's good and uh, good about them that they think is a good quality about them, mm. but is mockable in reality. Right. Uh, and so that's what I think. Phil Hartman was also very good at, obviously. Uh, and Sandler called him the glue. I get. Mm. <laughs> I like. Uh, they they explained. They're like uh, Adam Sandler called him the glue, or they said. Came from Sandler and maybe I think Lauren might have referred to him as that as well. Mm-hmm. And then they explained, like when I was reading, uh, because he held the cast together. I was like, yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> but he was in, so he was in an interesting like transition period where uh, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers and Lovitz and the guys that he kind of came in with were leaving. Mm-hmm. And then the new cast was coming out. And so I should have said this when I mentioned the Jay Leno thing. So Jay Leno says, you want to come. You know, I'm taking over for Carson. You want to be my sidekick. At the same time, SNL was convincing him to come back. And I guess when he kind of met with, he said he felt like the old guy that stayed in like high school too mm-hmm. long. Um, but then when he saw guys like Norm, Sandler, Chris Rock, Chris Farley, yeah. it seemed like I saw a couple things with him and Chris Farley. It seemed like they were fairly close. Yeah. Um, so I think he just liked that new group of guys and almost being their mentor in a way. Um, in the early years of, of them being there. So, like I said, uh, professionally, Phil Hartman, A's across the board <laughs> for this guy. But <laughs> his love life, not so great. <laughs> so where where do we go now, Matt? What, so Bryn uh, had a bit of a drug problem. For sure. Ooh. For sure. And in 97, she, uh, <clears throat> after being clean, relapsed. Yes. And so there's a lot of controversy with this. That's when her children were five years old. I forget. <laughs> I might go out of order, Matt. I apologize. That's fine. Um, but her, uh, so she relapsed in 97, and there's a lot of drama around this because they say that it was at a Christmas party for uh, news radio. I think it was a Christmas party or some gathering mm-hmm. of uh, the news radio cast. And evidently, Andy Dick gave her uh, cocaine. Legend has it. Um, some people say that's not true. And it's funny. Let's just hear Andy Dick talk about it, and you decide whether or not he did. I Sounds guess. accurate. <laughs> that's well, I, I love it. Yeah. And so you, you know, know I think what's going on. Oh, here's what. You can, you can put this on YouTube. The Tom Green. Yeah. Whether I gave uh, Phil Hartman's wife cocaine, which I don't know if I did or not. It's, Pause. You know, it would be I'd like, say we got our answer probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was so coked out, he probably yeah. actually does not know. No, I, I believe. I just think it's funny that he's like, well, maybe I, I have no He's idea. like, I don't know. I gave everyone cocaine but that that's, night. That's how Andy Dick is like, if you don't, for you uh, kids out there, if you don't know Andy Dick, he is like a Hall of Fame level f- Hollywood fuck up. <laughs> he, was, he was always uh, all kinds of banged up. And I think, I know he was on that show Love, uh, the Judd Apatow Netflix yeah. show. It seemed like he was doing well on that. I've heard him in some interviews. It seems like he's doing, but I don't know. He's always on and off. I have no idea. That's a great show. Um, but I, I'm curious what you guys think of his uh, explanation of this. And I, I find Tom Green's reaction kind of funny. Whether I gave uh, Phil Hartman's wife cocaine, which I don't know if I did or not. It's, you know, it would be like if I died tonight because I asked you for coke. And you said, yeah, I happen to have some that my friend gave me. Yeah, here, go, do it. And you didn't know I had a problem. Or you, you, you're like, oh, he, he must always do it. He's fu-. It's like his vitamin C. It's, <laughs> his, his, it's vitamin to him. He needs it. And then you give it to him, but I die. Would you think you killed me? 
Um, can I say no comment? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I guess not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I've never done Tom no. Green I'm is from great. Ottawa, you know. I, I think As, we're good. Uh, t- Tom Green's the greatest. By the way, we'll probably do a Tom Green episode at some point. Oh, he's he's totally kind of underrated as well. Can you, can you imagine? Like, I feel like being a just being around Andy Dick mm-hmm. would be uncomfortable on his own. Yeah, and then having him say something like that to you, like, like right, Ugh. right, I didn't kill her. <laughs> right? it's just like, an, an interview back then of Tom Green and Andy Dick would just be like <laughs> headache inducing. Oh my god! <laughs> now, in in Andy Dick's defense. Um, the story is that he gave her coke that night and uh, she relapsed. Started a now, spiral. whether or not that's true, uh, first of all, I don't know if Andy Dick knew she had a drug problem. Also, based on Andy Dick's behavior, I don't know that he's incredibly responsible. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think we can definitively say that he is not responsible. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was passing out eight balls every room he went into. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I gave everyone coke that night. <laughs> the, the, the other important thing to note is he didn't give her coke and then she died. Like, that's not yeah, what happened. That's not what happened. So just also keep that in mind. Um I'm trying to think. Matt, have you listened to these clips? Obviously, you cut them up, right? Uh, yeah, so this is the uh, the Lovitz and Nandy Dick. I'm going to I'm gonna let you decide here. Do we play this before or after we go through the whole story? I think we go through. We play this after. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, and then there's still the Rogan and Dave Foley clip, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to try and recap this story as best I can from everything I've read and watched about it. Basically. Um, Bryn, uh, uh, Bryn Hartman went out to dinner with a friend of hers. Oh, you know what? Let me backtrack because this friend, um, produced the show. Remember third rock from the sun? Yes. Yes. Uh, John Lithgow. Yes. Uh, so this lady produced third rock from the sun. Bryn was an extra on that, which is important to note because, excuse me, um, Imagine I died explaining this story. (laughs) 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 Um, so... Uh, throughout Phil Hartman's career, when he met Bryn, she was a swimsuit model, very lovely woman, mm-hmm. and uh, an aspiring actress. Now, aspiring is an important word there because uh, apparently she always wanted like acting roles, and she would hound Phil to get him uh, to get her acting roles. Yeah. And the best part is, uh, I can't remember if it was Rogan or someone else. I heard explain this story, and like Phil would come home. And she'd be like, did you ask them about, did you ask like news radio about this role? And he'd be like, oh, I forgot, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is a great way to, uh, great tell for like, I don't want you on this fucking show. <laughs> so she would always hound him about acting roles. He would, ne- so anyways, um, she's at, uh, out to dinner with this uh, woman who produces Third Rock from the Sun. And the woman described it as a very normal dinner. She was in good spirits. Um, I don't think she drank at that dinner, if I'm uh, correct. I can't remember exactly. Um, but the woman reported no odd behavior. Then uh, Bryn left that dinner and went to a man named, I believe, Ron Douglas, if I'm not mistaken. She went to Ron Douglas's house. Um, and based on the story, I was kind of the un- under the assumption maybe she was having an affair with this Ron Douglas. Mm. It's hard to say. Like she went to his house and started complaining about Phil Hartman and complaining about uh, what a mopey is and all and this and that. Now to, to back to backtrack again, his second wife, um, when they got divorced, she stated that uh, Phil was reclusive and claimed some kind of infidelity. So. Two 
Bryn's credit, <laughs> Phil did have a bit of a wandering eye, which he acknowledged in his life, and was also very reclusive when he was at home. Like he would kind of like at, at, you know at work he would fall into these characters and become these characters, but at home he was a much um, you know darker, quieter guy. Um, so she was complaining about Phil to this Ron Douglas guy, and uh, she was getting all kinds of hopped up. Uh, she was doing lines of blow, as the great Judge Joe Brown would say. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, she went back, all hopped up to uh, to to her home, where her children were sleeping upstairs, and uh, her and Phil get into an argument. Um, and then I guess you know they're they're going back and forth at each other, and as Phil would often do, um, he left the argument and said, ah, "I'm sick of this. I'm just going to bed." Uh, and he went to bed and fell asleep. Uh, Bryn proceeded to do more cocaine and got all kinds of hopped up and went to their gun cabinet and walked into the bedroom and shot Phil three times in the chest, neck, and head. Then uh, put down the gun, left, and uh, later um, the, both children were sleeping upstairs and one said that he mistook it. like He heard the noises and thought it was just doors slamming. Like he, it, it seemed like his parents were just arguing again, and the doors were slamming. Um, so this, uh, uh, so Bryn went back to this Ron Douglas's house, and this is the one part that made me think maybe I was wrong about a potential affair, because so she starts telling Ron Douglas, "I killed Phil. I I, I don't know what to do." Like she was in, you know, she, uh, a mess about it. Obviously, as you can mm -hmm. imagine, she was like, "What the fuck did I do?" She was coked up and kind of coming down and realized what had happened, and so Ron Douglas doesn't believe her. He says, I'm going to go back with you to the house. We'll figure this out. He goes into the home. He finds Phil laying there dead and calls the police. Um, while he's calling the police, Bryn runs into the room that Phil is in, locks herself in there. Um, police come. They get the kids out of the house. They get this Ron Douglas character out of the house. Um, and then they're trying to get Bryn out of the room. And as they're doing that, they hear a gunshot. Uh, they knock down the door, and now Bryn has shot herself uh, laying next to you know, Phil Hartman. Um, so a wildly sad end for the great Phil Hartman. It's like yeah. it's truly one of the most tragic stories in comedy history. Um, like I, you know, I can't even think of another murder to that magnitude, really. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to think of one off the top of my head, and I can't. Um, comedy. Yeah, so very sad, and uh, let's hear, what do you think, I mean, Ro actually, Rogan and Dave Foley probably? It depends. Do you consider uh, the Naked Gun movies comedies? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, that's, a that's a pretty gruesome you know, a murder point. associated but with he, those. <laughs> he was not the victim. Well, in some ways he was, but... <laughs> well, he's trying to find a real killer. He was wrongly persecuted. <laughs> let's go with the uh, Rogan one first. Yeah, so let's hear uh, Rogan and Dave Foley, two of his uh, cast members from News Radio. Talk about their marriage. I was like, you know, he loved it. He yeah. learned to fly a plane. He learned to sail a boat. You know, he was wow. one of those guys. You know, yeah. He's uh, yeah, if only he had learned to duck. Yeah, <laughs> well, not even if yeah. he had learned to just separate from fucking crazy people. I, I know had some. T we, you know, we all did. I think had talks with him many times about divorce. You know, like you got to get out of that, man. Yeah, it was one of those things where we would uh, we would have these parties. I mean, Paul had one party once, and I remember we were all at this um, bar somewhere, and 
Phil showed up with the wife, and she just was saying the creepiest shit and insulting him and, you know, talking about how she likes pickup trucks because they remind her of, you know, boys that she used to bang back when she was younger and just, mm. just, just <laughs> torturing him. Just torture talking about, oh, well, you're not Phil. You know, Phil's too old. and he's just But saying, didn't he have, like, women thrown on him all the time? It seems like oh, yeah. if he was that oh, yeah. miserable that Phil. he would have just... doesn't matter, man. When you have children with somebody, <clears throat> you're, yeah. you're inexorably attached forever. And Phil was, yeah, the, the thought of being separated from his kids, yeah. which, and I understand, because at the time, I was separated from my kids. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, you know I, I completely see where he was coming from. He didn't want a divorce. He thought his wife, is, with all her flaws, was still very good to the kids. And, you know, and he felt, felt like he could work it out. And then he really got into pot. You know, that was his thing. He would just get his hitter. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he'd be sitting in his Mercedes in his parking space with his one hitter. Yeah. <laughs> baked baked yeah. to the God, gills. Getting stoned. And you weren't smoking <laughs> weed at the time. Oh, Can you imagine was... smoking weed with Phil Hart? Yeah, that would be, barely. You uh, barely. Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. I didn't do any drugs. Hilarious. I would just get yeah. drunk. That's yeah. all I would do. I, yeah, I can't imagine Phil Harbin getting... I, I wouldn't picture him as a weed guy, but that would be so awesome. <laughs> it's so funny. I just want to hear what his giggles sound like. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, obviously, they're Bryn, a troubled woman. And I've heard Rogan tell that story multiple times, and he mm. always tells it the same way, where she would talk about, like, trucks and guys she fucked in that, like, right in Ugh. front of... Like, just completely <sighs> trying to disrespect him and put him down. And uh, I mean, obviously, she has her mental issues for sure, and she, you yeah. know, drug problems and things like that. So you can, you know, sympathize that with that to a, to a point, I guess. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, it's it's fucking crazy, and it's sad. I mean, this is the worst example. We talked about Louis Anderson not being able to come out because uh, he's a, you know, he wants to keep up the image of a family man. This is the most tragic example of tra a guy trying to keep up the image of a family man. He's like, I can't get divorced. I I'm thought of as like this family guy, family-oriented guy. I can't get a divorce. And it ultimately cost him his fucking life. It's a, it, it's such an insane thing. Like, I'm even trying to joke about it now, and it's hard to because it's just a sad story, you know? <laughs> that was way we wish he learned how to duck. I was yeah. like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right? I liked it. I liked it, though. It's I thought fucking it was funny. funny. I mean, it's... Tragedy plus time equals comedy, right? <laughs> yeah. But you do hear also, Rogan mentions at the beginning of that clip, I guess he, as as men often do when they don't want to go home necessarily, he picked up a lot of hobbies. Like he learned to fly, <laughs> I guess, at a news radio in his office or whatever, his trail, whatever it is, at news radio. Mm -hmm. He had like a flight simulator. <laughs> um, so he learned to fly. Like he, I think he said. He I think Rogan said he took him out once uh, flying. That's cool. Um, he was a big sailor, things like that. So like, he found a lot of other interests. Found Pro probably because he didn't want to head home too early. <laughs> different, different ways to travel far away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he flew a spaceship a few times. <laughs> Whatever would take him out of the galaxy. A submarine. <laughs> it's like, do you like water? No. All right, Sail sailing it is. <laughs> um. So yeah, obviously that's very sad. Um, but another beef. So do we have any clips before we get to the uh, love it Sandy Dick thing? No, this is it. Okay. So the, the grand finale here, folks. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't just end uh, when Phil Hartman's life ended. Obviously, there were a lot of great tributes on SNL and uh, award shows around that time, things like that. Uh, the Simpsons dedicated uh, the, the. I think posthumously, his last episode on The Simpsons came out. And they dedicated it to Phil Hartman. Uh, very sad. Yeah. And then uh, years later, so like I said, Andy Dick was kind of always blamed for this, which is not fair. No. It's not. It's really not fair. I not mean, even I'll even say maybe he probably got her back on coke for all I know. 
you know. But that's not – no one thinks, well, if I give her this Coke, even if he did it maliciously, thinking like, yeah. ah, I know she's an addict, but we're having fun. If I give her this Coke a year from now, she's going to blow his brains out. And legit, he said this yeah. was – he goes, people act like this was like that night. It was six months later. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. So uh, it's really not fair that Andy Dick got that blame, even though I don't know that Andy Dick's necessarily a great guy. Um, but one of the people that really blamed Andy Dick <laughs> for the death was John Lovitz. And um, I didn't include these clips because it's just kind of gross to hear John Lovitz cry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's something about him that's not a great crier. But, like, I heard him on Dennis Miller um, at another award show that were – there are a couple of clips of – like, he brings up Phil Hartman, and Dennis Miller's asking him about Phil Hartman. And he it seemed like Dennis Miller kind of thinks it's going to be, like, fun – remembering Phil Hartman. Yeah. And Lovitz like broke down and started crying. Um, so uh, like he obviously cared about this guy a lot. They started together in comedy. Lovitz replaced Phil Hartman on news radio, which I can only imagine. Hmm. Shame on me. I should have found him talking about that because I yeah. imagine that was a tough decision. But if you love this guy so much, it's like, do I replace him? Like, am I honoring him by taking the role or am I doing it a disservice? Because... Let's face it, John Lovitz was not as good as Phil Hartman, no. you know? Um, so I imagine that was very tough on him. But uh, I do like John Lovitz, though. I do think he's funny. He has, he has his moments. Uh, he does. He has his moments. I liked him on Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, he was great in Seinfeld. He had Jack. <laughs> he was he was great in uh, like the wedding singer and that like smarmy character oh, yeah. too. And, Rat and I'm Race. reaping all the benefits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that movie Rat Race that nobody fucking saw, that was great. He was great in that too. Yeah, that I don't know. Oh, he's awesome in that. Um Yeah, he's with his family. Yeah. Yeah. A dollar. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite uh so no John Lovitz opened up a comedy club. Uh I think it's called John Lovitz's Comedy Club or something <laughs> like that. And uh Norm was talking about this with someone on Norm McDonald Live. I can't think of who who the maybe David Spade or something. And he goes, uh, "Yeah, that's normal. You open up, a, you start stand up when you're 60. <laughs> you're just <laughs> shitting all over Lovitz for doing stand up." <laughs> um, so you know, Lovitz uh, gets into stand up and all of that. I want to say this is at the Laugh Factory around 2006. Mm. Uh, but I found the best telling of this story <laughs> was uh, you guys know the comedian Godfrey? Not Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. 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 The, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Godfrey was hosting, uh, I, again, I think the Laugh Factory or wherever it was on this night. And uh, take it away. Let's hear him tell it. So one day I'm on stage in LA, and you know, in LA, everybody's celebrity happy. So Andy calls me from the back. Godfrey, I want to go up. So I'm thinking, and this is John Lovitz's show, his his comedy night. And so I'm hosting. I'm like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, because that's what you do in L.A., right? You bring up a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, we have a special guest coming in here. Uh, let's give it up to Mr. Andy Dick. Everyone's like, oh, Andy Dick. Right. He goes up. He's fucking sucking ass. <laughs> and John Lovitz... <laughs> John Lovitz is in in the back. Who's a, you know John is really mellow guy. John's in the back going. I go what, what the fuck what what? He goes what the fuck? Are you He's losing his shit. I go John. I've never seen John like this. Yeah. So Andy Dick's up there going ah yeah 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 motherfuckers and yeah 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 and and we're like, we're like yo get this motherfucker off. And so I have to wait. Good night. I'm like shit. And I run back up. Hey, Andy Dick, everybody. Ooh. And John Lovitz, 
is slamming Andy Dick against the wall in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a fight at John Lovitz going like, you motherfucker! <laughs> Trying to whoop his ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, so John Lovitz tried to beat the shit out of Andy Dick, <laughs> and then I guess he had to be like pulled off of him. And then uh, Godfrey didn't know. So the whole thing is Godfrey didn't know they had oh, this beef. It's unbelievable. Image. That's hilarious. <laughs> like I don't know if Godfrey even knew the story about Andy Dick with Hartman's wife or any of that. He just was bringing up a celebrity. And then uh, later he's talking to John Lovitz, and I guess Lovitz goes, "Uh." I wanted to kill him. Like, this is John Lovett's voice. <laughs> the, the only way that fight could be more effeminate is if Louis Anderson joined in. Boys! This is a slap fight. <laughs> so I thought that was... I thought that was a great, uh, great way to end uh, this Phil Hartman show oh. with a little, a little levity for Christ. I don't sake. know how, but this one was definitely more upbeat ending than the last. <laughs> one. Yeah, the last one was way more. <laughs> well, that, that's why I wanted to save this clip for the end. Yes. not just save it on, you know, end it on <laughs> uh, a murder suicide. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't find out that Phil Hartman was a posthumous scumbag. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, right. No, his kids weren't his. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Um, it was Louis Anderson's kids. Oh, so, shit. Uh, <laughs> there's someone else's now. <laughs> so, oh. Phil Hartman. Uh, yeah, the states. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're like my age, I guess. So, they're yeah. adults. Yeah. Um, so, Phil Hartman, truly uh, one of the greats, one of the most underrated. Yeah. And uh, again, to think of what his career would have been because he was entering the phase where, like, he was now supposed to be th that age. He was like a 50 year old guy. Yeah. Uh, and that I, I think he would have really thrived. But uh, unfortunately, we'll never know. Uh, but. Rest in peace, Phil Hartman, and uh, on to the next one as we uh, go through the history of comedy here on Why You Laughing. Uh, very good show is where you can find Craig and Mike uh, and all of their hijinks, as well as uh, Craig's on the Blind Mike Project. Don't forget to I am subscribe there, there. <laughs> patreon.com slash blindmike. Um, get one of these fine, comfy hoodies. Got Why You Laughing and uh, Blind Mike merch in our uh, link tree and everything. So it's on Teespring, so find that somewhere. And uh, Vaulted Podcast <laughs> here in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you want to uh, do some recording, if you're in the area, you need a studio, need to film something, what have you, Matt from Rhode Island will hook you up. So uh, check out vaultedpodcastsri.com or just hit up Matt from RI on Twitter and uh, he'll hook you up. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>